I want to start the start by reading Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And then I'm going to ask a question I want us to discuss. But today is about evangelism, um, particularly about the aim of evangelism, like and why we do evangelism. Why should evangelism be a part of the Christian life? And, um, and hopefully increase our desire to be evangelistic. That's my goal for the day. I'm really trying to find Matthew 28. I don't have it marked. It's just after 27. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and it's before Mark 1, I know, I know. It's just before the next book? Yeah. Which means it's marked. I've got too many, oh boy. i got too many, too many bookmarks in my way. Uh, Alright, so Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, the question is, uh, that I want to open with and I want us to discuss is, <clears throat> first off, has um, have you ever been guilted into doing evangelism? Been guilted into doing evangelism? Yes. Yes. Thank you for, for saying that. I mean, honestly, I think uh, is it guilted? Now, here's the question that, that parses it out: Is it guilt because you didn't, you aren't being evangelistic, and or because of the way they did it? So the method which they, they used to prod you to do evangelism was guilt-ridden, or was it also the fact that you don't evangelize, or weren't evangelizing the way that you thought you should? Sorry, I'm, I'm super distracted with people walking around. Don't evangelize. Don't evangelize. Both? Both. It's been like, a, you don't evangelize, that's bad, and this is why you're so horrible for it. This is why I'm better because I do it. That, that's usually how that goes, yes. Um, I evangelize, and I'm better than, in a lot of ways, this is, I mean, it's, it's sad, but um, when you have somebody who's not in tune with what evangelism is and where it comes from and why we should do it, you usually get more of a legalistic, you're not evangelizing, so therefore you are a bad Christian. You may not even be a Christian. Yes, it's very pharisaical. And in, 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 in reality, it is very, very pharisaical. So, um, what I don't want to do is beat you over the head with, you must be evangelizing. You know, uh, and I, I also don't want you to walk away from here and go, evangelism is not something I need to do. Right? So, I, I do want you to know that as Christians, it should be our pleasure and our hope, like, just kind of coming out of us naturally. Uh, to evangelize those who are lost and broken in this world. However, I do recognize that there's a lot of reasons as to why we won't say something when we say, or when we have the opportunity, or um, maybe some what we call barriers to doing evangelism on a natural, everyday basis. But uh, we're, we're, I really don't want to guilt you into doing more evangelism. What I do, maybe conviction is the right word, but I also don't want to uh, bludgeon you into it. I want you to love Christ so much. Here's the hope. I want you to love Jesus so much that you want other people to love Jesus. Right? 
I, I, and I'm going to use my homeschool community. We love CC so much, we want other people to be a part of classical conversations. We have no problems talking about that. But man, we have a hard time talking about Jesus sometimes to other people. And I think a lot of that comes down to we, we just, we're hesitant because we're afraid or we don't know or we're afraid we're going to mess up or any of those things. So um, I, I just want you to uh, be still your, you know, still your heart, lean into the sovereign Savior that we have, and he's put you in places and with people that need to hear the gospel, I hope so, um, and that you have an opportunity to actually evangelize them, whether it's children, you know, in your own household who don't know Jesus yet, um, and that's a little different, but, or it's a coworker who's like coming to work drunk and you have an easy or time saying, yo, bro, like that's not even within your responsibilities. You know, you, you, can't, you can't fulfill your earthly duties right now the way you are. What's wrong? Um, so that's my hope. We're in, this week we're going to talk about evangelism, particularly about the aim of evangelism. So let me give you the aim of evangelism just right off the top. The aim of evangelism is to reconcile sinners to God through Jesus Christ so that they can worship him, who is our creator as well as our redeemer. Okay? So, John Piper has this quote in uh, Let the Nations Be Glad. Um, he says, uh, evangelism um, and missions exist because worship doesn't. Right? And, and, and honestly, that's kind of why we evangelize. That's why we bring the gospel to the nations. We also bring the gospel to our neighbors and our friends and our family who don't know him. Uh, because guess what? They're lost. And we want them to praise the Lord Jesus. And so that's, that's, that is why the aim of evangelism, the goal of evangelism. So we've talked a lot about spiritual disciplines up to this point. And I, I want to ask this question. What is evangelism? Um, because it is a, a discipline, and it's also an aspect of the Christian life, and then something. But I want to define evangelism. I want to hear from you guys. What is evangelism? Okay. The gospel message and what Christ has done in your life and what that is. Evangelism. Okay. Yes, that's definitely an aspect of it. Does anybody want to add? Or have a different definition, even. Anybody? Anybody? I don't think she'll be offended if you add. <laughs> no? No. What is evangelism? Sharing with unbelievers about the good news of Jesus Christ. Sharing with unbelievers the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. I think that's can go ahead and yeah. I think there's an element lovingly calling them to repent based on that. Yeah. Evangelism is like, uh, yeah, it's, it's not just the communication of that, but it's the call to, to respond, right? It's part of communication. If I were to give a really simple definition of evangelism, I would say that it is communicating the gospel. Like as simple as I can <laughs> communicating the gospel is what evangelism is. Now, that does not really get at all the aspects of evangelism. So, just being honest, but it does get at most of them. So, 
We're in um, point number one, origin and content of evangelism, if you're following along in your notes. What is evangelism? It is a communication of the gospel. Evangelism comes from the Greek word euangelion, okay, euangelion, um, and euangelion is the word in Greek for gospel. Here's an older definition of euangelion that may not be familiar to us, may or may not be familiar. It says, this word is a Greek word that signifieth good, merry, glad, and joyful tidings. It's good news. That maketh a man's heart glad and make him sing, dance, and weep for joy. So, what is euangelion? It's good news. It's good news to drive you to a joyful heart, right? Somebody, something that um, wells up inside of you, something good. Not dread. <laughs> um, but now, let me ask you this. There is, uh, is there an aspect of dread within the gospel presentation? Right. Yeah. It, it's required, right? It's required. Because you've got to know that you're a sinner and needing, needing a Savior. Right? We were just talking about it earlier. Jesus did not come for the well. He came for the sick. Right? He came up to bind the wounds of the ones who are wounded not the ones who thought they were the best. I mean, yes, they got to realize that they're not the best, too, in light of Christ, but he came for the ones who are sick, and that's we're trying to bind up wounds by communicating the gospel message so that God himself can come and change the heart. God is doing this anyway, by the way, so I'm not, I'm not saying at the exclusion or anything that. I think if I were to be completely honest, salvation is monergistic. And I know that I just used a big word. So, what does mono mean? One. What does monergistic mean? One, the work of one. Right? It is the work of God himself. Now, let me, let me explain myself, because I am talking about evangelism, and we're to go, right, and do this thing, communicate the gospel. But that communication of the gospel has been commanded, is empowered, and is used by God, right? He's using it. It's his means of communicating the gospel. I add a little loud. Or maybe the, that one might be on too. So we are part of the means of the gospel, right? The church on earth is what God uses to bring his gospel to the nations, to the people around and everywhere past it, right? He is the means. And so, but he's the one doing the work, right? How does, how is Conversion described in the Bible. How is conversion described in the Bible? God speaks about the heart of stone and puts in the heart of flesh. Ezekiel, right? 36. He talks about uh, the heart of stone being taken out and giving us a pumping, real life, lift, living heart of flesh. Wow, I gotta talk right. <laughs> but these things are, this is, this is not something you can do. In fact, you don't even know it's needed most of the time, right? As the Apostle Peter said, repent and be converted. And be That's converted. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, happen, it's happening to you, and God is using the means of his people to communicate the gospel. So, I don't want to say that evangelism is monergistic, because he uses us as his means, right? So it's, um, but conversion, salvation... 
All those things are a work of God, work of the one God, not something that I myself can call upon myself. God must do it. Um, it is an impossibility otherwise. So evangelism is sharing this good news that makes us, makes men, dead, lifeless men, to sing, dance, and leap to, for joy. Right? Joy comes upon us. So <clears throat> I want to I ask this question. Is evangelism exclusive to the New Testament? Okay, so tell me. It's not a trick question. I use the word exclusive on purpose. No, it's not because the prophets of the Old Testament constantly call people to turn from their wicked ways and turn back to the Amen. Amen. In fact, it was the normal way. And where was the gospel first preached? In, in the, the garden, in, in the garden, in in the synagogues, in in the Jewish uh, realm, to call them to repentance, right? Uh, Acts, Acts is pretty, you know. Um, I mean, the gospel has been preached in so many ways. It was first preached to to Adam and Eve, right? But the fullness of the gospel isn't found in Jesus Christ, the actual seed, actual seed who crushes the serpent's head, and so because you can't. You're not saved by any other name but by Jesus' name. So we could talk about this all day. There's a, there's a really deep theological discussion we could have, but we want to talk about evangelism. And so let's lay some groundwork. The idea, the idea of heralding, heralding, uh, not herald, hi herald, heralding good news pops up not randomly in the New Testament, but it comes from directly from the Old Testament. Um, would someone open up to Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, verse 6, um, and do me a favor and read verse 6 through 11, as, um, and, give, and give, it, give it some gusto. Isaiah 40, 6 to 11. Do it. Gusto, Amy. God. A voice says, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, says the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. So just before this passage in Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 3, it describes the one who is sent to make paths straight. This was, to fulfill, well, this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, um, particularly John the Baptist being referred to in Isaiah 40, 1 to 3. Then in verses 9 to 11, we see that the voice crying out was announcing good tidings, right? Particularly verse 9. And this is what the gospel writers pick up on when they speak about the good news of Jesus Christ. They're announcing good 
tidings, good news um, of, of something happening, right? Chapters 39 through 40 of Isaiah are all about how the exile of Israel is over and God is coming in grace. And it's saying, prepare yourself, for he is near. Likewise, when John the Baptist is saying that God is coming in Jesus Christ, so prepare yourself, he says, what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? What is Jesus' first words recorded in the book of Mark? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's he's calling, uh, he's saying the good news and, and what you're supposed to do with it. Right? All at the same time. The kingdom of heaven has come, so repent. So, it is no surprise that Jesus starts his ministry this exact way um, it, by quoting Isaiah 6, 1 to 3. And the main point of these passages is, as they relate to, Jesus, relate to Jesus Christ is that we are all under exile. So all of us are in exile, dead in our sins and trespasses, right? Uh, Ephesians 2. The Bible says that we are slaves to our sin. Galatians is all over the place. Slaves to our sin, but we've been set, and it rules us apart from Jesus Christ, but through Jesus Christ we have been set free by the gospel of grace. Okay? So, uh, Galatians 5, 1, we used to sing it when I was in youth group, and leading youth group a lot of times, a lot of people didn't understand why we're singing it, it says, I've been set free. It is for freedom that I've been set free. Right? That was the, that was the chorus. And the whole point of it is, it's like, look, you're, you're not being in, you're being enslaved to your sin, and it's killing you, right? So much so that you are spiritually dead in your sins, sins and trespasses. But God has made a way in his Son, and has set you free to live for him. Not a freedom to live for yourself and license and licentiousness and doing what you want to do, but a freedom that actually yields life. And so it is for freedom I have been set free, Right? That whole point is to bring the freedom all to other people. It's not just to be happy about what God has done for me, but then to share it. Right? Evangelism is all over the place. But we have to know the gospel to be able to communicate it. Right? And so here's the, here's the trick question. No, I'm just not, I'm kidding. It's not a trick question. It's quite easy. What is the gospel? What is the gospel. Anybody want to take a shot at what is the gospel? Anybody, anybody, I'll take any. Saving work of Jesus Christ. Saving work of Jesus Christ from what? From our sins, right? Forgiveness of sins was for Christ Jesus. What what did Jesus do? What was that saving work? He died on the cross. He was our sac- he was he made a sacrifice for us in the heavenly the holy of holies in the heavenly places, right? Ascended um, to the right hand of the Father, now advocates for you and me. There there is a huge amount of information about the gospel. But I want to give you a, a summation of it. Thank you, Lindsay. That, that was perfect. Um, the, the summation of it and kind of its fullness without me going, you know, ten minutes. Because um, we ain't got 10 minutes. So, this is from Mark Dever. He says this, The good news is that the one and only God, who is holy, made us in his image to know him. But we sinned and cut ourselves off from him. And in his great love, 
God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for, our, for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust him. He rose again from the dead, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us had been exhausted. He now calls us to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. That's a small paragraph. That's why you and I have salvation. Because Christ suffered in our place. Because Christ was perfect in his life, and he perfectly endured the cross, and he perfectly died, and he was raised again after offering a perfect sacrifice at the throne room of God. And when he rose again, he announced his coming to all that would hear, right? And within, I mean, over 500 brothers is what we're told. And then for after 40 days, ascended to the right hand of God so that you and I would have security forever because it's not just that he sacrificed himself, it's that now he advocates for you and for me. He stands on our behalf, right? Mediating before the throne of God. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. If those, um, if, if that isn't good news, there isn't anything that's good news. The, the birth of my kids was good news, right? The, it was amazing. But it is nothing in comparison with the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And so it deserves even more fervor than when we announce our children's births. By the way, that's super easy to do, right? Hey, Athena has been born today, July 17th, or June 17th. Wow, I'm messing it up. <laughs> June 17th, 2020-15, right? So he, she's, she's here. Finally, we've been waiting for nine months. And, well, you know, eight and a half months, eight months, however long we know we're pregnant. Uh, that's really easy to do. But for whatever reason, we hesitate to say, I have been born again. Let me tell you about that guy who made me born again. And what that entails. So the gospel calls sinners, like you and me, to repent and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We cannot earn God's favor with our works, like every other religion says, by the way. That is every other religion. It's all works-based. You must do so God hears you. You must do so that you might be reconciled. You must do. You must do. You must do. And it's just a burden upon burden upon burden driving you straight into hell. But the religion that we follow, Christianity, requires and actually satisfies the requirements for actually being in communion with God. God making the way for us to have communion with him. Not the other way around. So, God's promise to receive all those who come to him through Jesus Christ is made possible by Christ alone and his sacrifice on our behalf. J.R. Packer, I highly recommend this book for you if you've never read this book before. It's Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. He gives a really full definition of evangelism. I I personally like it a lot. Um, But it it does get into weeds, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm just going to give you the definition. Packer gets in the weeds. Have you ever read Knowing God? You should. You should, but um, yeah. It is to present Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit 
to sinful people in order that they may come and put their trust in God through him, to receive him as their savior, and to serve him as their king in the fellowship of his church. Did you hear all the like compounding things, right? You stack a bunch on what evangelism is. But evangelism is not so that they might be converted. It's so they might be a part of his church. And those expressions look like local churches, by the way. Not just being, I'm a Christian, and I can be a Christian out on, um, on the mountaintop. But I am primarily a Christian uh, of because I am a part of the body of Christ. And that expression looks like the local church. So evangelism is pretty, I think we've kind of exhausted, what is evangelism uh, at this point? And we're going to move on a little bit further. It says, uh, point number two, evangelism is inseparable from the life of the believer. Number one, we've been evangelized because, or we have evangelized because we have been evangelized, right? You, you did not come to Jesus on your own. <laughs> Someone had to tell you the good news. You had to hear that good news. I think that's pretty obvious. But one thing we need to understand is that because we've been evangelized, it kind of puts us in the position to like play telephone, right? Actually play telephone in real life and evangelize because of what God has done through this other person. Um, letter A under point two says evangelism is a matter of obedience. We've already read. Where were you? I was lost because you were giving these numbers one, two, and three that aren't there on the paper. I don't have that paper in front of me, so <laughs> I apologize. I have an outline that's in front of me. That's it. You're trying to figure out where is it? Yeah, my bad. Here it is. Evangelism is a matter of obedience. Um, Matthew, I mean, you have what you have is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. What I wanted to tell you is Matthew 18 is the reason why you need to obey, right? Um, it's not that he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. It's because he says, I have all authority. All authority has been given to me. Jesus says this after his resurrection to his disciples. And so, therefore, go and make disciples. So, it's a matter of obedience, not to guilt you into it, but because you've been made alive in Christ Jesus, and now Jesus is your king. Uh, follow what your king commands. That's the idea. Go ahead. Just to build on that, his kingship being the really the point. Yeah, is, yeah. There's a, a preacher that you and I love to hear mm. who in his prayers for the lost frequently prays that the Lord might save them so that Christ may have the fullness of the reward for which he died. Yeah. It's a God-centered desire. Yeah, evangelism, if, if evangelism is about putting notches in your own belt, hear me when I say that. I'm not saying that you're doing that intentionally, but it might be the, that you're evangelizing because you just feel like that's the right duty. Right? Mere duty. And as mere duty is, you go and you do. But in this case, it's, it's not about that. It's about so that God gets his glory. And then Jesus has the fullness of his bride brought to him. And you are part of that bride and you're part of that process, the means of grace in those, that life. Letter B, thank you. Um, evangelism is a matter of gratitude. So it's a matter of obedience and a matter of gratitude. Psalm 116 says this um, about, and it kind of just gives us the attitude uh, and the heart posture. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. 
Psalm 116, that's Psalm 116, 12, 14. So the idea is that I have a great, like I'm happy, I'm, I'm giving thanksgiving for what God Christ has done by evangelizing. Now, letter C, evangelism is an expression of godliness. Okay, so um, be, let's be careful here. Again, I want to go back to the, my, my opening question was, have you ever been guilted into evangelism? And the reason I started that way is because a lot of people see evangelism as the end, like, that's what the pro-Christians do. Okay? But, but hear me, hear me, it's just a sign of that you understand the gospel itself. And so I don't, I don't want to say that it's the pro-Christians only that do evangelism. You and I, who know the Lord Jesus, can do evangelism. It may not be perfect, and guess what? God doesn't expect perfection. He's already made that happen, right? Through Christ Jesus and his sacrifice. But he does call us to um, herald his good news. And so his expression of godliness is not the one who says, you must do, otherwise you're a bad Christian. That's not an expression of godliness. That's actually legalism. It's the Pharisee who stands on the street corner and says, thank God I'm not like that guy, right? Who doesn't evangelize. And in this case, we, I, I want you to hear it. It's an expression of your godliness. So let's, let's talk about this for a second. Um, as one grows, it would typically grows in the holiness of God, the knowledge and the holiness of God. We typically grow in the knowledge and, of our sinfulness. Right? We kind of, as we understand God's holiness more and more, we usually understand ourselves and more and more of like how sinful we actually are and how much we need. If you're not growing in that, I would say that sanctification is probably um, a stagnant sanctification, or you're making an excuse. I'm not going to get into all that. But what I am saying is, as you grow, and there's this chasm between how great God is and how sinful I am, your gratefulness for the cross should be growing, because Jesus has made a way even for that sin, even for the depths and craziness of my own sinfulness. Um, but that, that's the whole point. The growing in gratitude is actually a growth in godliness. Okay, so it's not that I'm getting notched on my belt or guilting other people into doing things or any of those things or being guilted into it, but it's that I love my Lord and Savior and that godliness looks like um, gratefulness in this case. Just another way to say it, it's not a way to prove your That's not proving, yes, a good way. But it's just a way to express your love for what God has done. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of, uh, along those same lines, I've been watching a lot of rock climbing videos lately, and it's making me want to rock climb more. Um, <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, we used to, Jared and I, and Amy, and Beth used to all rock climb. Um, Jim Climb and Jared and I went out one time and did some really cool bouldering up in Chattanooga. Wish I could go back and send some crazy routes. But all I have to say is it takes a lot of work to be a good rock climber. But um, the rock climbing community is so, uh, I want to say evangelistic. That's not the right word. They kind of are evangelistic. They're evangelistic in their own way, right? They are evangelistic to make other rock climbers, right? And just like homeschoolers are really evangelistic about homeschooling. (laughs) But in this case, we want to be evangelistic and known for one thing only, and that's for Jesus. And so... Even though I want to go rock climb and the rock climbing community is so, it's not attractive to me because of the communal aspect, because I just like puzzles. And this is a real life puzzle. Um, a 3D puzzle, in fact. 
that I'd have to, to solve. That, that detracts me, but, but it, it can, we can fall into the trap of saying, um, or being evangelistic about everything but Jesus. And, and you're not growing in godliness if you're being evangelistic about everything but Jesus. Um, you want to grow and reflect Christ, not rock climbing. So, in, in my case. Evangelism, letter D, is every Christian's calling as a part of all of life worship. Remember we talked about worship as all of life. Right? Everything that we do is unto the Lord, the glory of God. And so, um, well, some Christians, and I want to dispel this rumor right now. Some Christians, I was talking about pro-level Christians, evangelize, they think that that's how it should be. Because they say that evangelism is a gift. But here's, and, and they get that from Ephesians 4.11, I want you to hear it. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So he's what some people would call the five-fold office. We do not believe in this, so don't, don't hear me saying that I agree with this at all. But some people would say, well, some are apostles, even today. Some are prophets, even today. Some are evangelists. And so these are their jobs. And you've got shepherds and teachers. The problem is, is that's not what Ephesians is talking about, like at all. And, and when we reduce it to like, okay, there's an office of evangelism, and that person is re- responsible for all the evangelism, what you've done is you've cut off all the actual membership and all of the body of Christ from doing the work that you're being called to. Because fundamentally, you're called to go and make disciples. That's not just my job. That's your job. Like, making disciples is everybody's job. And making disciples looks like evangelism. And um, discipleship on the other side of evangelism. Sometimes, Boris and I were having this conversation earlier. Um, there's a, a mutual acquaintance of ours that he needs discipleship to know what he needs to be saved from. Right? So sometimes discipleship and teaching looks like before and after conversion. So it's every Christian's call, calling. Rather, the, the verse that we were just talking about, Ephesians 4.11, is uh, not that only those who have the gift of evangelism should evangelize them. Rather, this verse speaks to how God has graciously given different gifts to different men in variety of ministries so that the church can be built up. So while not all of us are specifically gifted, to carry out vocational ministry of an evangelist, okay? Not all of us are gifted that way. The fact remains that all of us are called to witness to Christ and what he has done to us, and, or done for us. So, I have a question. Um, why is it that we don't evangelize like we ought to? Why is it? What, what is it that causes us to falter in this place? Or to, to not take not to step out in faith and and know, okay, well, my Lord has called me to do it. I have the opportunity. I know the gospel message, but yet I hesitate. To. Fear of man. Great. Fear of what? Fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Fear of man. Anybody else? Force was saying um, fear of like busyness or just being busy. Yeah. Time. Fear of making an error. Fear of messing up. Right? Not, uh, maybe lack of conviction that the gospel is real. Yeah, maybe lack of conviction. We don't actually see hell in front of us. Yeah, it, it's, a, know, it's a reality. reality. Of, uh, experience that tends to make people more zealous to 
But you put it in any other situation, like a burning building, what are you going to do? You know? Fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we're, we're distracted is what I, way I would call it. Um, distractions, because we, are, we're, we may be convinced that the gospel is real ourselves, but it's not real enough. It's not right in front of us to think that that's what I need to be doing all the time. Right? And so, absolutely. I, th I think there are a few more barriers. I'm not going to really get into them um, or even mention them, but I, I do want you to realize that a lot of these can be reduced to two things. Um, not uh, being confident in the Lord. Okay? Not being confident in the Lord. So fear of man would fall under this. Fear of not getting it right would fall under this. Not being confident in the Lord or not understanding. And so those two kind of like categorical problems or categorical things is where most people falter. Now, I can't say that there are other reasons why you might. Like, it's just not the right time or place. In which case, I use the word falter on purpose. Right? If it's not the right time or place because this person's having an emotional breakdown and you're trying to say, well, if you just repent and believe in Jesus, that's not going to work. Right? They're not listening. Um, the panic that they have in their heart is not centered on their eternal security or where they're going, or what they're doing, or how can this be fixed, it's actually rooted in something completely different, right? And so time or place can matter. I'm not trying to make excuses here. I'm just telling you the reality of sometimes it's not the right time or place. If you can keep it quick, because I'm about to, I need to wrap up. Make preparation to give witness, like having oh, yeah. gospel tracks handy and planning I'm, ahead to do it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Oh, that's actually in your notes. Yep, all of my notes. Um, we're in uh, number three. Evangelism is empowered. So I'm going to quickly give you why you should evangelize, why you ought to, and then we're going to talk about the other things. Number one, evangelism is empowered by God's sovereignty. Number one, or letter A. He is sovereign. So um, the, knowledge, the knowledge that in his grace he has elected sinners for salvation. He has promised us that he will gather people for himself from every type, tongue, tribe, and nation. And so we go out and we evangelize, knowing that he will save all of his people. Right? He will save all of his people. All of his children will come to him. Um, does that mean that we know who these children are? No. No. <laughs> No, and in fact, if, if anybody accuses you of, of thinking that oh, this person's going to hell and this person, that's not for us to judge. It's for us to be liberal with the seed of, of grace, right? We're supposed to be scattering that seed quick, like liberally, everywhere. It will, and we have four soils and four, like all these things, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that God is sovereign. He will save all of his people. He does it through his means, which is you and me, the church. So God is sovereign. Number letter B, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, right, empowers us, right? He, the Spirit empowers us. It's one of the, the reasons why the Spirit was given to us, right? Number one was to point our hearts to Christ, right? To reveal all things, right? To make much of Jesus, and he does that through witnessing, right? He empowers us to be a witness to God's grace. Acts 1.8, it says it, that's like the classic verse. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So one thing that we don't believe is in second blessings here of the Spirit. So we don't, um, there's a, a thought out there that um, there's a second blessing needed of the Spirit so that you might speak in tongues, right? That you might be able to evangelize, that you might be able to be a true disciple. So there's like two tiers of Christians. One who's assented mentally, 
right to, to and the ones who actually can do the work. But that is a dichotomy that doesn't. There's no warrant for in Christ. There's no warrant for that in Scripture. Okay, so because um, you have been regenerate, regenerated, right? Your heart has been changed, taken out of heart of stone, given heart of flesh. The Spirit is living. We're actually a holy temple. We're going to talk about that today. Um, and so, therefore, how can the Spirit live in me, but not empower me? It's impossible. It's impossible. If I've been made alive in Christ, I've been given a new spirit, a new heart, and he empowers me to do the work of ministry. Um, we've also been power, empowered because, uh, to do evangelism because the power of the gospel is, is to save all that would come to him, to Jesus. The Holy Spirit not only dwells in us, um, but the message of the gospel itself is powerful, able to save those who believe it, because it is the means of salvation. I've been talking about means all the time because I don't want to miss the point, right? The, the point is not that you save so-and-so. I've, I've done a lot of youth ministry, and, oh man, it's a lot of fun uh, to talk to guys who, or kids who think that they saved their friend, um, because they said, Jesus, Jesus is your only answer, right? And he, and he said, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. And like, you see these kids get like super excited. It's really great. But at the same time, it's like, okay, let's talk about this. You know, I'm not going to do it right away and say, no, you didn't save them. But um, the, the whole point is that God saves from beginning to end using us as means. And, and that's good news, guys, because yet the fear of not understanding or the fear of not saying it right is completely like out the window if God is sovereign in this process. If it's up to us, no one's getting saved. No one's getting saved, right? Um, it's our job to be liberal spreaders, liberal in the sense of everywhere, um, wide-ranging, um, not to um, be selective with who I save, or who I, who I um, not save, who I share the gospel with. We can trust that God will apply the gospel powerfully upon the heart of the unbeliever, by his spirit, he regenerates sinners who are dead in their sins and trespasses. He takes their hearts of stone and gives them a heart of flesh so that they are able to believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. They, themselves, are undergoing a God-glorifying process that God himself undertakes. And he is the one that brings us from death to life. And we are means, we're, we're glorious means, right, uh, to, to spread that gospel. Right? But take the pressure off, guys. Uh, the pressure is not there that if you don't say it exactly right, this person, it's not an incantation. Right? We're not sitting over a, uh, a vat of, you know, noose eyes and whatever and saying incantations to make it work. Right? The Spirit of the Lord is the one doing all the work and we're the means of bringing and heralding that good news. So the question that I want to, now that, now that I've said all this, how do we measure success in evangelism? What do you think is successful in evangelism? And don't, don't be afraid. Uh, it may not be success, so this is the Bible of man. I don't really care. Maybe it's more of just that you, you are sharing more often than you were before. It's a good success. Your calling is more important than your calling okay. than maybe you used to or whatnot. But so growing in my. Okay. Remember the simple definition at the beginning is the communication of the gospel. So maybe it's just more of you communicating it, but that's actually communicating it. 
I think there's a lot of people who would say that there's, um, I'm trying to wrap, I apologize, Bob. Um, that there's a, a lot of people that would say that this is, um, that it is measured by your disciples, the me and me, right? Numbers. Uh, I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you that. The goal of evangelism is to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the point. Now, you want to call them to repent and believe, absolutely. And if you don't, you kind of shortchange the process. However, um, that, that, that uh, is, the whole point is not to get notches on your belt. It's not, to, it's not to have numbers of people who have said the prayer. It's not any of those things. It is that the gospel has been communicated clearly so that they might have the opportunity to respond in faith. Okay, so um, that's that's the goal. That's the success. That's the measure of success in evangelism. So evangelism is a discipline, and this is where we're going to end. It's a discipline. It's something that we have to learn how to do. It's something that we have to be equipped to do. Um, my hope is to have evangelism classes, like an evangelism class, because I know that a lot of us have grown up in church and maybe we've gone to like the faith classes or. You know, and um, then go out on visitation on Monday nights. That's how I grew up doing it. Um, but or we do it through uh, the Romans Road, or we do it through the Three Circles, or we do it through <coughs> the Name It or the Evangel Cube. <laughs> I've seen that one. Um, you have one. Some some people do. So like you. So you may have a method, but I I, I want to have. I'm going to spend a class a little later about about four weeks where we talk about how do we have these conversations, evangelistic conversations that can be used where you don't need a napkin, you don't need your cube, you don't need the Romans road necessarily, you are going to use the Romans road, but it's not going to be a, um, well, Romans 3.23 says, and, you know, we're not, uh, it, it's, it's more holistic in its evangelistic presentation. But I do want to point out that um, that four-week class is coming, it's not, uh, Today is August, September, October. It's probably going to be more like January at this point, as the as everything's shaking out. But there's a level of like we need to learn how to have these kind of conversations in this day. Because one thing I I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've had evangelistic conversations lately, nobody like it's an increasing number of people that don't even think that God is worth their time, or that God. When we say God, they think of like the two million gods in Hinduism, you know, they, or the pantheon of gods in Greek mythology, or, you know, like there, there's just not a really under, good understanding. It's not a good presupposition anymore of like, oh, you're talking about the Christian God. So we've got to start way back at the beginning where the Bible starts to get somebody to understand who Jesus is and then call for a response. And that is a different process than the way even I was. Um, raised to do evangelism. Um, I want to point out some things. We have these tracks out there. They're free. Um, here's what I want to say about them. Is that these are the... I have used a lot of tracks in my life. I've used one called uh, Don't Stub Your Toe. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, but because because it's like if you stub your toe today... instead of this, It's the classic question, if you die tonight, where would you go? Uh, to heaven or to hell? Do you know where you would be? Uh, but it's it's in the whole idea of well, this lady stubs her toe, it, she gets an infection and she dies the next day, and so something as simple as stubbing their toe, like or could could we lead to the the death of somebody because of a massive infection in their body, right? So it's a little bit different. It's just, I've used that one. That's fun. 
Um, I've used uh, a couple other types of tracks, but these are the tracks that I can usually live, leave with people and the basic questions of Christianity, and that's why I like it. Um, so, for instance, yesterday, I used this one without using it because I just memorized it, but who is Jesus? Uh, that, that question is what people need to know, right? <laughs> it's the, the answer to that question is what people need to know. But I think this is the confusing point. Uh, also, it's like, who's that Jesus guy? He's a guy that lived 2,000 years, and people aren't even sure about that, because if you look at scholarship, they say that he didn't. Uh, if you look at these people, they say, well, whatever, the resurrection was a hoax. But who is Jesus is going to, if you, how you answer that is going to largely depend on, on, on how you understand religion in general, and also if you have salvation or not. Who is Jesus? But you get the basic, what is the gospel? This is what I want to do the training in. What is the gospel? God, man, Christ response is kind of outlined that way. But this goes through it in short order, and it's great for that purpose. And this is more of the old school apologetic evidential thing, where I don't know if you've ever had an apologetic conversation with somebody, and they just say, I don't believe the Bible because it's been handed down, and it's been copied wrong, and people have changed it, and they've added words like homosexuality, even though arsenicoites has been there since the Old Testament and is put together by Paul. I mean, like, it, you know, all these things. I don't trust the Bible because this is a good pamphlet for that. Um, to have in your back pocket because the rare, the rare person who has rejected Christianity after being a, in the church for a while, that's usually how I've used this. They rejected it because what my, what my church says about the Bible is not what the Bible is. But why trust the Bible is a great um, little one. And if you want to know about a culture of evangelism, Mac, J. Mac Stiles, uh, it's called evangelism, how the whole church speaks of Jesus and how the culture of evangelism is uh, fostered amongst his people. It's a good book. And in fact, it shapes most of what I understand about how the church does evangelism, as the title indicates. Um, with that, I'm going to close. I, here's my prayer. Is that you understand that evangelism is the communication of the gospel. Right? That evangelism is empowered by the Lord Himself. Right? And that you have nothing to fear because guess what? Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth. Right? Nothing to fear. It doesn't matter if they hate you, your guts <laughs> after work. They don't hate you. They hate the message that they're being confronted with. Okay, so uh, that's my that's my hope is that our evangelism, the spirit of evangelism grows, and that we can, as a church, be more evangelistic because of our love for the Lord, right? not because of guilt or any of those other things. So let's pray, and we'll be done. Father in heaven, you've given us such a gracious uh, word to be able to show us your glory and make us part of your people so that we might evangelize uh, everyone from our family all the way out to the nations. Lord, help us display your glory by communicating your gospel to anybody we come in contact with and as we get opportunity. We love you and we trust you. We thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 22 minutes.